episode in Unlocked on Anaheim Ducks, the conclusion of our now three-part series about the last time a global pandemic affected hockey. Join me on today's Locked on Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hockey fans, it's Friday, and it's now been eight days since the NHL officially put the 2019-2020 season on pause because of the COVID-19 pandemic or the coronavirus. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, your hockey historian, ready to finally present the conclusion of my deep dive into the Spanish flu pandemic from over a century ago and how that led to the tragic conclusion of the 1919 Stanley Cup Final. Before we get into all that, you can find this program via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe if you have not already. And follow on the socials at LO underscore Ducks or at StimpyJD. And I want to apologize for kind of having an absence on social media. Just real life stuff is going on. You all know how it goes, especially at a time like this. Real life stuff happens. So I apologize for that. Although the shows have still been going out. There was a show that went out. Part 2 went out. I didn't post about it. I didn't tweet about it. But that did go out. And Part 3 is going out right now. And I will put that up on social media. And make sure to tell all your friends about it. If you have any Ducks friends, Kings friends, hockey friends. Or even if they like a little bit of history. Tell all your friends about this podcast. Especially this three-part series. Which is a very deep dive into what happened over 100 years ago. Yesterday focused on the abnormal 1919 NHL season itself, the hockey playoffs that year, and the speed of spread. If you haven't already, I'd strongly advise you to listen to both yesterday's and Wednesday's podcasts, as this is meant to be a historically deep dive into those fateful events 100 plus years ago. Once again, I collected several old newspaper clippings and articles, mostly from the now-defunct Seattle Star, since the events leading up to the tragic death of Joe Hall took place in Seattle. As I have said in the past two days, I'm bringing this up now because we could possibly see history repeating itself, and it's vitally important to look back and see how this all relates. Can we possibly learn from this? The 1919 season was the only time, so far, where the Stanley Cup was not awarded because of a pandemic. We still don't know if the NHL will play out the rest of the season during the summer. However, as I'm about to address now, it may not be the best idea to rush back into hockey right away. Real life is more important, and we should be conscious of the fact that severe viruses could come in waves. Now that I've addressed the current situation... Here is the conclusion of this now three-part series, and I will say this now. I recorded the entire thing on Thursday, so this is actually a continuation of what was being recorded yesterday, but it went on for far too long, so I now split it up into three episodes. So once again, here's the conclusion of the three-part series. Then we go on to one of the classic games in all of hockey. This is the newspaper from Thursday, March 27th, 1919. And here's what it reads. Crucial mix of puck classic ends in a draw by Leo H. Lassen. With the honors of the puck classic of the world within the grasp of the Seattle Metropolitans and Les Canadiens making a last determined stand, 
the two clubs put up one of the hardest-fought hockey battles in the history of the game at the local arena last night. The game ended in a scoreless tie after 80 minutes of furious play, breaking the no-score overtime record of hockey. The game was virtually a battle from the first gong until the last. The play was rough, and both teams put up a defensive, close-checking game that made scoring impossible. Both goalies put up wonderful exhibitions. Vesna, the Canadiens goalie, played the best brand of hockey he has ever shown during the series, and Holmes and Seattle's Nets stopped a volley of almost unstoppable shots. So even back then, the newspapers realized they had just witnessed a classic, and Vesna put on the best performance at the time ever. The play was even during the entire struggle, with neither team having any marked edge. The Mets, who are much lighter than their opponents, felt the pace after the regular 60 minutes of play had elapsed, but refused to quit until the final whistle. And it, this article even goes on to say, every man on the ice gave the best that was in him, and several of the players dropped exhausted at the end of the struggle. Both sides of fans applauded profusely after the game. That's awesome that the fans recognized that even as the players dropped exhausted, that the fans just, they just came together and applauded the heck out of both teams. And you love to see that. You love to see that kind of sportsmanship for the hometown fans. They know they had witnessed a classic. They know that what they just witnessed was something truly amazing. And to have both sides just come out and give an ovation to appreciate both teams' play, that is why hockey is the best sport, and that's why hockey has the best fans. All class. You absolutely love to see it. So that was how Game 4 went down. And even more from this article, because they talk a lot about this game as if it was the best out of all worlds. Quoting still from the story, Several of the players were badly hurt during the rough play. Berianquet, Canadian wing, got a wicked clip in the mouth and was carried off the ice in the early going. Jack Walker, forward, was cracked over the eye. And Hall and Corbeau, Canadian defensemen, were pretty well used up. Under the weak Eastern penalty rules, the numerous penalties meted out last night by referee Ion did not do either team any damage because they permit substitution of another player for the one penalized. This ruling does not curb rough play and could as well be eliminated. So a bit of foreshadowing there. And also, Robbie Rowe, Seattle captain and defense star, played only a few minutes during the struggle because of an injured ankle, which he sustained in Monday's melee. Then there was Muzz Murray, the big boy who replaced him, put up a good defensive game in Rowe's place and made his weight tell. He came within an eyelash of scoring from the center of the dot on several occasions. But Vesna was a regular stonewall last night. Neither team took any chances last night. It was very seldom that more than two forwards of either squad would solely into the enemy's territory, which left a four-man defense. Both goalies were peppered with shots in the first session. The play moved up and down the ice with first with the first team, then the other in positions of the puck. And once again, they're praising Frank Foyston, who registered a couple of times during the initial period, 
but Vezina was always on the job. They talk very, very highly of George Vezina throughout the entire newspaper clipping. The games were still two for Seattle, one for Lays Habs. And it ends by saying the next game will be played Saturday night under Western rules. But hold on. Would they actually be played under Western rules? Not so fast because the next day there was a little article about this where it says Seattle Mets may win hockey title tonight, but the teams are banged up. Folks, we're going to head into a break, but before we do that, here's how the Locked On Podcast Network can help you out during this period of social distancing with a special deal on food delivery. For a limited time only, Locked On is giving you the chance to order food right from your phone. All you have to do is download the Postmates app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA and receive $100 credit for your first 7 days. In this time of self-quarantine, this is the perfect chance to try Postmates. Once again, enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive $100 of free restaurant delivery credit for your first 7 days. And coming up after the first intermission... More overtime hockey, the last game of the 1919 Cup Final. Stay locked in. Wednesday's mix was doped out to be the vital game of the series, but the team spilled the calculations when they played a scoreless tie in one of the greatest games that has ever been put over in the annals of hockey. The game does not count in the records of the series, and the game tonight will be under Eastern rules once again. The reason being because there was discussions made about which rules to use. Since Game 4 had finished in a tie, The Canadians wanted Game 5 to be a replay of Game 4 using the NHL rules. Seattle wanted the Pacific rules. They wanted to end it now. The game ended up being played under NHL rules. And this was the agreement, by the way. In the future, teams would play overtime until a winning goal was scored. So that March 26th, 1919 game, one of the greatest games ever in history would be the last time that a playoff game would end in a tie. Every playoff game after that, there would be a winner no matter what, and they would play until a winning goal was scored. So this series set precedence in several ways, and it also set precedence for what would be the rule that we have nowadays, a hundred years later, that overtimes will keep going and going and going until a goal is scored. So this series is more than just the Spanish flu. It's more than just East versus West. It's also very dramatic rules changes. And another rules change that was mentioned that does come true in the next decade that from now on, penalties would be assessed. And if a player gets penalized, then that would result in a power play for the opposing team. So yeah, Montreal was called out because they had several penalties but they would just sub in players no matter what. This article goes on to say that the Seattle men are confident that they can hang up a win tonight because they believe they have solved the visitors' attack 
after their showing Wednesday, the players on the local crew will go into the game tonight determined to hold the Canadiens scoreless and to ring up a couple of scores themselves. It was predicted that the scoring would be low. In fact, they predicted that it would only be two or three goals and it would be a six-man game, but the paper was confident that Seattle had solved the six-man game and that Seattle would win the game. So much so that on the local advertisement, it was stated that ice skating would not be going on. In the event that the Canadians won, then the ice skating rink would be open the following two days. And then the next, and then the fifth and deciding game would be the following week. Well, what happened on that game four? This is the March 31st issue from Leo Lassen. Frenchman with backs to the wall stage heroic rally and cop ice tilt with Seattle leading three goals to zero. Les Canadiens staged a brilliant rally in the final period of the fourth game of the World's Puck Series and rang up three counters, tying the score. After 15 minutes of overtime play, Jack McDonald, Canadian spare, slipped by the Seattle defense and sailed the rubber into the nets for the winning goal. The final count was four goals to three with the Canadians on the long end. The game was under Eastern rules. That would be important. The series is now tied up in a knot and another game will be necessary to decide the world's puck honors. The deciding mix of the series will be played on Tuesday. Or so we thought. Western rules will govern the play on Tuesday. Well, that's what we thought at the time. For two periods, the Seattle men outplayed the visitors and registered three counters. And of course, you know, Foyston would get a couple of those goals. In fact, after that first two periods, Foyston had 10 points in the series, nine goals and one assist. But in the final period, the Seattle team took unnecessary chances to add up more scores. And in the closing period, when the Canadians staged their big rally, the local men used a two-man defense, which proved fatal. If the Seattle squad had played on the defensive in the final period, the ice series would be over by now. Once again, the NHL rules were called out on this one. Quote, Eastern rule is a joke. The game was another rough affair. The Eastern penalty system is a joke. When a man is kicked off the ice for rough work, another player is put in his place. With this system in vogue, the players can get away with most anything without materially weakening their respective aggregations. Frank Patrick, Coast League president, he said that he intends to make an attempt to have the puck title series played under one set of regulations for the entire series and not to use this weird system now in effect. It would be better for the game if one of the rules could be adopted for both circuits, and then neither team would have an advantage in the title playoff. End quote. Some very, very strong words, but he was definitely on to something there. That third period, that was a big, big comeback for the Canadians. The Canadians worked the puck into Seattle territory, and one of the visitors let drive with the puck towards the Seattle Nets. Holmes warded off the shot, but Lalonde caught it on the rebound and knocked the rubber into the Seattle goal for the tying counter. The teams were fighting tooth and nail for the rest of the period. 
After a 10-minute rest, the teams resumed play and battled for the first 10-minute overtime period to a standstill. Then Walker and Foyston were forced to leave the ice and in the middle of the second overtime, McDonald, Canadian spare, put the puck in the middle ice and passed Wilson and Rowe on the Seattle defense and scored. And the series is once more tied up, end quote. So that would be the last goal, not only of the game, but it turns out of the series. Because the following day, big headline in the front page of the Seattle Star, Flu stops final hockey game. Yeah, it made front page news. Here's what it said. Big World's contest is deferred. Not canceled, folks. Notice that the newspaper said deferred. Quote, five of Canadian team are taken down with illness before final match. Two have high fever. With five of Les Canadiens Eastern Ice Champions down in bed with attacks of the Spanish influenza, the deciding game of the World's Puck Classic scheduled for tonight at the local arena with the Seattle Metropolitans has been called off for now. Hall and McDonald, two of the visiting players, have been in bed since Sunday and their condition is serious. Each has a temperature of 104 degrees. The players are now at the Hotel Georgian but will be moved to hospitals sometime today. The games for the title stood at 2-all and one more win was needed to clinch the title for either team. It has been one of the bitterest fought title series in the history of the sport. Manager Kennedy, Berianquette, Couture, and Lalonde of the Canadians are the other visitors who are afflicted with the flu. Their attacks are mild according to attending physicians. Then this article goes on to say, quote, They may never play. There is but slight chance that the series will ever be settled, and the greatest ice contest in history will be called a draw. The Canadians might be able to put seven men on the ice Friday night, but the chances are very slight. The Seattle men are in none too good conditions themselves. Bobby Rowe, Seattle pilot, and Frank Foyston are both banged up from the strenuous game. Cully Wilson is also under the weather and needs a good rest to recover his strength. End quote. Yeah, I would say that those overtime games completely sapped them of any injury. Not only do you have Canadians players, but now you have one Seattle player that's come down with the flu. And as it just mentioned, you know, two of the players were very serious. Hall and McDonald. Joe Hall was especially in dire straits with that 104 to 105 temperature. But to have five players all come down with it at the same time, yeah, they actually thought that they could play this game out in a few days, not knowing what was to come. And this is where it got a little bit weird after that, because in the Seattle Star, Wednesday, April 2nd, 1919, the headline reads, Greatest Ice Series, a tie. Flu did it. The greatest ice hockey series ever staged ends in a draw because five of Les Canadien Eastern champions are down with attacks of influenza. The deciding game of the series, which was scheduled for last night at the local arena, was postponed yesterday when Hall and McDonald, two of the visitors, were taken to a local hospital suffering with the quote-unquote flu. And manager Kennedy, Lalonde, Couture, and Buddy Anquette 
were confined to their beds with slight attacks. The Seattle Mets were ready for the fray and could have claimed the title because of the Canadians' inability to put a team on the ice. But under the conditions, President Frank Patrick of the Coast League declined to claim the title for the Coast Champions. The game last night was scheduled to be played under Western rules, and the Seattle Mets were big favorites to win. The games were two all, but the Seattle men showed their superiority at the seven-man game. End quote. That is a classy move by league president Frank Patrick. He could have accepted the Stanley Cup, and Montreal would have forfeited, and they would have thought none the wiser. They said, okay, Montreal is unable to field a team, therefore they forfeit. No one would have had a problem with that. But the fact that he was classy enough to say, we don't want to win it like this. If Seattle's going to win it, they're going to win it fair and square and actually play out a game. That, to me, just shows true class by Patrick. Very, very, very classy move there. This article goes on to say, quote, The games played in Seattle marked the hardest-fought title tilts ever played. At times, the players fell exhausted on the ice from the terrific pace set up by the teams. The clubs played to ties twice. The greatest game of the series was played last Wednesday, when the squads battled for 80 minutes without a score. And then on Saturday night, the clubs were even at game time, and the Canadians won out in the overtime play. Then this goes on to say, There is absolutely no chance of the series being finished, as the lease on the arena will expire and ice will be taken up. The money going to the players will be divided on an even basis. Under the proposed regulations, the money was to have been split 60% to the winners and 40% to the losers. Wow. Another very classy move. Just divvy up the money evenly and call it a day. That's what was to be done, and that was absolutely the right move to do. However, there was almost a chance that there was a game going on because manager Kennedy of the Canadiens was willing to play even with half of his team in bed. He proposed to borrow players from Victoria, but the Seattle men refused to play under such conditions. All of the exhibition games of the Montreal crew scheduled for the West have been cancelled. The Mets were due to play an exhibition tilt in Victoria Monday night. So they still had some exhibitions to play, but those never happened. Then we go to the April 3rd issue of the Seattle Star. It got interesting. It says they may decide puck title in Vancouver. Wait, what? Yeah. This was on April 3rd from Vancouver. The world's puck title may yet be decided after all, if plans of Vancouver hockey enthusiasts are followed out. The news that the Canadian hockey players who were taken ill with the flu were on the road to recovery prompted the suggestion that the final game, which was scheduled for Seattle on Tuesday night, may yet be played. The local rink in Vancouver is open for another month because of a curling bonspiel to be held here from April 21st to 24th. Yay, curling! The game would attract the biggest hockey crowd of the year here. 
the suggestion will be placed before President Patrick of the Coast League when he returns from Seattle. So there was still an outside chance that maybe that game could be played. They desperately wanted to award that cup any way possible. But that was completely put to the wayside the following day because on the Friday issue of the Seattle Star, the Seattle Puck Squad was now hit by influenza. So here's what the article says. Quote, The Seattle Hockey Squad was hit by the ravages of a sudden outburst of influenza yesterday when manager Pete Muldoon, Roy Rickey, and Muzz Murray took to their beds suffering from attacks of the same disease. Ricky had a high fever all day yesterday at the Providence Hospital. There has been a turn for the worse in the condition of Joe Hall, the Canadian defenseman, one of the first to be taken ill. Pneumonia has set in, according to attending physicians, and his condition is reported as very serious. The other Canadian players and manager Kennedy, who were affected by the disease, are reported well along the road to recovery. Montreal citizens are planning a special train to remove the stricken Canadians to their homes in the East, according to reports received from Canada. Frank Foyston, Seattle forward, whose leg was badly banged up during the series, is having trouble with the injury. He is now suffering from water on the knee, and his leg has been bound to prevent it from becoming worse. Therefore, the series is officially cancelled. There was a slight chance, a very slight chance that they would play, but after more Seattle players got hit with the flu, after their star player was badly injured and had trouble walking, they said, nope, we've played five games, that's it, we're done. But the big part of that story was Joe Hall had taken a turn for the worse. So now the attention of the hockey world was towards Joe Hall and hoping that he would make some kind of recovery, any kind of recovery. Everybody was praying for him in the hockey world. However, the very tragic news came on the April 7th edition of the Seattle Star, and this was on Monday's paper. This just blew everybody away. Canadians on way home, Joe Hall is dead. Quote, On the road to recovery, the Canadian hockey players, stricken with Spanish influenza here, which necessitated the calling off of the World's Hockey Title Series with the Seattle team, will be on their way to their homes in the East soon. Audie Cleghorn, Couture, and Bianquette left for Vancouver, B.C. en route to the East last night. Newsy Lalonde was up for the first time Sunday. Jackie McDonald is coming along nicely, according to attending physicians. His temperature was lowered considerably. But the climax of the most unusual hockey title series in the history of the sport came Saturday, when Joe Hall, veteran defenseman of Les Canadiens, died at the Columbia Sanitarium at 3 p.m., a victim of pneumonia following an attack of influenza. A cause of the strain of the series played, he was unable to recover. Hall was one of the veterans of the game, and his death is keenly felt throughout the sport world. End quote. Wow, that is tough, tough news to read if you're a hockey fan in Seattle. I'm sure many fans read that. They were just 
stunned by that news. You know, one of the great guys of the league had passed away from this now third wave of the Spanish influenza. It was really sad. And here's even an article from the Edmonton Journal. The funeral of the late Joe Hall, Canadian's hockey player, who died of pneumonia, will be held Tuesday. The body was forwarded to Vancouver from Seattle, arriving Sunday morning, accompanied by Mrs. Emily Hall and Bert Hall, mother and brother respectively, of the late hockey star, who went to Seattle last Thursday when informed that his condition was serious. Mrs. Joe Hall arrived here from Brandon, her home, with three children Saturday. Then after that, his body was laid to rest just two days later in Vancouver. This is also from the Edmonton Journal. Funeral of Joe Hall took place Tuesday in Vancouver, B.C., April 9th. The body of Joseph Henry Hall, veteran hockey player who died in Seattle last Saturday, was interred here yesterday afternoon in Mountain View Cemetery. The remains of the late member of the Canadians of Montreal were carried to the grave by men with who he had been associated in his long athletic career, Lalande Couture and Berianquette of the Montreal teams, Taylor and Griffiths of the Vancouver club, and Lester Patrick of the Victoria club. Many of the Pacific Coast League players were present, as well as representatives of other athletic organizations. The services were conducted by Reverend Harold O. King and Reverend Dr. E. A. Henry, end quote. Folks, it's tough to digest that something like this happened in the National Hockey League 101 years ago with this huge pandemic that took place in the hockey world. And yes, was it the right call to completely call off the series? Absolutely. Was it the right call to not accept the cup for the West? Yes. Was it the right call to split the money evenly? Absolutely. The NHL at the time did whatever they could to save one of their famous hockey players, but unfortunately he died from the flu. Um, There's another article that talks about his career. He started his pro career in 1902 and was always a star player. And this is a quote from Frank Patrick, the president of the Pacific Coast League. Quote, Joe Hall was one of the real veterans of hockey. He had been playing senior hockey since 1902, and the game suffers a great loss by his passing. Off the ice, he was one of the jolliest, best-hearted, most popular men who ever played. End quote. He died at the age of 38 years old, and hockey fans in Canada were just completely baffled by what it, I mean, not baffled, but they were just deeply saddened that they lost one of their great players. So that's what happened. Joe Hall passed away at the age of 38, and this took place 101 years ago. So how does this relate to what's going on now? Well, as you all are aware, there's no hockey going on right now. We have our own global pandemic going on in the world right now. It comes in waves. There was the first wave, then the second wave, and then the final blow, that fatal third wave that took out a lot of hockey players and one perished because of it. So when you see these news reports that multiple basketball players, they are afflicted with COVID-19, 
you just never know with this kind of stuff because even the strongest of athletes, I mean, you read what happened, you saw what happened that I just mentioned with the tale of Joe Hall. You never know with any kind of virus like this. Now we're seeing reports that, you know, younger people are getting sick. And some people around our age, between 25 and 45, they're falling very, very ill. And they're ending up being hospitalized. So it's not just the elderly anymore. Now we're seeing this take place globally, worldwide. And what ended up happening 100 years ago, that this series ended in a tie for the first time in history. And the Stanley Cup was not awarded. This might be one of those times where maybe it might be in the best interest to not award the Stanley Cup this year because you simply never know with these kinds of viruses. And I completely understand why we have these shelter-in-place type of things going on. There's a reason why we are being self-quarantined right now to slow the spread of the coronavirus right now. Some big mistakes that happened back then where people were not self-quarantining. They were for a few weeks and then the war ended and it seemed like everything was okay. After that second wave had ended, it was assumed that this Spanish influenza had run its course and maybe things could get back to normal. But then you saw that sudden third wave happen, another mutation of the Spanish influenza. And you saw what happened. So what can we take away from this cautionary tale from 101 years ago? It might be in the best interest to just simply cancel the season. That might happen. And it might be the second time in NHL history where the Stanley Cup is not awarded because of a pandemic. And it would overall be the third time in NHL history where the Stanley Cup was not awarded. 1919, 2005, could 2020 be added to that list? We don't know yet. But if you've heard any of these previous podcasts, the indications might say yes. It might simply be time to just pull the plug and say, you know what? The well-being of our players are paramount. The well-being of our fans is most important. You have to keep in mind that the fans really drive this sport. And you do not want to see anything happen to the fans of the game. And if you could even have any games with zero crowd, that could be possible. But there is still the risk of playing when there's an infectious disease out there. So again, it might be in the best interest to just cancel the playoffs this year. But that's just my take on it. Uh, one more little thing I just want to quote. And this was from um, the Stanford Medical website. And there's another quote in here that I'm just going to read verbatim. Quote, The pandemic affected everyone. With one quarter of the U.S. and one-fifth of the world infected with the Spanish influenza, it was impossible to escape from the illness. Even President Woodrow Wilson suffered from the flu in early 1919, while negotiating the crucial Treaty of Versailles to end the World War. Those who were lucky enough to avoid infection had to deal with the public health ordinances to restrain the spread of the disease. 
the public health departments distributed gauze masks to be worn in public. Stores could not hold sales. Funerals were limited to 15 minutes. Some towns required a signed certificate to enter, and railroads would not accept passengers without them. Those who ignored the flu ordinances had to pay steep fines enforced by extra officers. Bodies piled up as the massive deaths of the epidemic ensued. Besides the lack of health care workers and medical supplies, there was a shortage of coffins, morticians, and grave diggers. The conditions in 1918 and 1919 were not so far removed from the Black Death in the era of the bubonic plague of the Middle Ages. End quote. Folks, I'm just going to end with this. What we're dealing with right now is something that should not be taken lightly. It should be taken serious. And for myself, I'm going to personally apologize because a week and a half ago, I will admit that I did say that maybe this was a slight overreaction, but I also said that I understood why games should not be played, and I understood why there were these restrictions. So I completely understood what was going on. And this is why we have to educate ourselves. This is why doing these countless hours of research, it's not only for the betterment of this podcast, but it's also for the betterment of our minds. You know, doing this kind of research, it is good to be educated on these kind of things and to try to avoid repeating history once again. So again, I just want to apologize for those comments that you may have read over a week ago, but I promise that I will stay as vigilant as possible and try to be prudent in going out unless I have to. You know, the shelter in place is there for a reason, and we all should definitely do our part to maintain our social distancing. You know, be sure to check in on everybody. And I know I should not be spewing this advice, but I'm going to anyway. Check in with your friends. Make sure that they're okay, both physically and mentally, because being cooped up, it will do something to everybody mentally. So let's just try to be there for each other and try to be good people, keep clean, wash your hands, shower when you have to, and let's try to fight this together because this is officially a pandemic and it is going to spread. And even as it was quoted, you know, back then it was impossible to escape from the illness. Now we're hearing numbers that more than half of the population could be afflicted with this illness. So it might very well be impossible to escape from the coronavirus. So to close, let's just be careful out there and do whatever we can. Folks, thank you for listening to this, what turns out to be a three-part series in this look back at the 1919 Stanley Cup final that never finished and a look back on how a previous pandemic affected hockey. If you want to listen to this or any of the previous episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network, be sure to check out Locked On Anaheim Ducks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. More than ever, I want to hear from you guys about this. So if you have any questions, comments, I've done 
a lot of research on this. So if you want to talk about this, if you want to ask me any questions, if you want to open up more of a dialogue, any conversation, email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter. On Twitter, I am at StimpyJD. Or the show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. I sincerely hope I hear from a lot of people about this because I truly want to hear your thoughts about this. And should hockey go on? Should we cancel the season? I really want to hear your thoughts. So once again, thank you all for listening. I intended this to be a two-part series, but it ended up being a three-part series because there is just way too much information, as it turns out, to cram into two episodes. And the more you research and the more you go down a rabbit hole, the more information you want out there in order to educate everyone. So once again, thank you all very much for listening. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend. We'll be back with Goals Talk on Monday. I promise. Goals Talk on Monday. Be safe out there, everyone. Wash your hands. Practice your social distancing. And stay safe, Anaheim. <laughs>